always figure out what your motivation is and then just don't give up. Don't let things that come in your way be in the way. I firmly believe that we can do whatever we want to do. You just have to do it. Just find out that grit, that inner thing that you have that's going to separate you from everybody else. All right, welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. You know, today we have Craig Terry on the line. And just to do a great introduction for him, because he is a, a phenomenal individual. Craig is the director of Medicare sales for Go Health Utah. And Craig's been in sales for 37 years. So in 37 years, you can learn a thing or two about how to sell and what to do. Just at least bit. one thing. Just a bit. <laughs> at least one thing. And he's been phenomenally successful. You know, Craig, you've sold things like medical supplies. You've sold pharmaceuticals, which is legal drug dealing. It's lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> you get into it. <laughs> yes, yeah. You even helped launch great products in Utah like Claritin, right? You were, you were kind of on the forefront of that. I live on that stuff, by the way. Me too. Oh, Claritin, still. So. It's awesome. Yeah. You've been an entrepreneur. You've sold things like annuities, 401ks, Medicare. You're a motivational speaker as well and a certified life coach. And you're a mentor for amputees. It's busy life. <laughs> busy life. I think it's a phenomenal thing. We'll get into that. Yeah. We'll talk about that some more. On top of all that as well, let me mention this too. So a lot of people heard my story in the storytelling episode earlier on in one of the podcasts and how I wanted to be a teacher and I ended up going into sales to bridge my gap until I can become a teacher, until I can afford to be a teacher, basically, right? When I was deciding what I was going to do to bridge that gap, the person I thought of was Craig Terry. Growing up, I was best friends with Craig's son, actually, in high school. We played sports together. We're still very close friends to this day. His name's Zach. But I remember going to Zach's house and thinking, man, this guy's rich. They have a boat. <laughs> they have nice cars. I grew up a little differently than that. So he took us down to Lake Powell. Like I was like, man, this guy has got it going on. And I, and I asked him in high school, I said, what do you do that's making you money? He's like, oh, I sell pharmaceuticals. He had all these little tchotchkes in his garage. <laughs> He'd hand me a bag that said some medicine's name on it. And here's a lunch bag for you, Ron. But I thought about that when I decided to take on the sales career. And I thought about how successful people can be in sales. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that, that means that, uh, Craig, you've changed my life too. You know, getting run into sales. I love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you never know who you're influencing. So you got to just do your best. It's awesome. Well, you know, Craig, we got, we got some questions for you. We kind of want to jump into this a little bit and you know, you've been through ups and downs throughout your life, just like all of us have, you've had great successes, maybe some failures, there's been times I'm sure when you've been highly motivated and excited to kind of jump in, to be able to be successful, sell, to kind of, kind of go. And there's times where you've been lacking in motivation, you know, and today we want to talk about motivation from a topic perspective and being able to talk to somebody like you, who's been there, done that you've been through the ups and downs, you've had the successes, you've had the failures. We want to be able to kind of hear from you as somebody who's got a tremendous experience as to some of the things that have happened to you. So can you walk us through your career a bit? You know, some of the things that, that have happened with you in your career and kind of help us to understand some of those, those ups and downs, some of those cycles. For sure. Right out of college, I, I took a sales job in Portland, Oregon and moved my little family up there. Zach was, I think, nine months old, something like that. But selling medical supplies and it was a great job. I covered the whole state. I was, you know, a territory rep and 
it was a ball and I just loved it. And I got the Oregon territory really, really rocking. And my boss, who I would have done anything for, came to me one day and said he wanted me to move back to Salt Lake because the Salt Lake territory was down. We thought about it and her family was here. So we moved back, but I, I, I made him promise me that I wasn't going to lose my job because I was moving from a good territory to a down territory. And I worked really hard to get the Utah territory going. And then a year later, we, the company was bought by another company and I lost my job. Oh, wow. And that was a tough hit because I'd really worked hard to learn sales and to become proficient at what was going on. And it took nine months to find another job. And I was down and struggling. And I remember my dad, Ron's met him yeah. probably three awesome or four guy. times. Awesome guy, by the way. He, he grew up on a farm in down in Fairview, Utah, central Utah. And he always used to give me all of these colloquialisms from down there. And he would always say to me, you just got to be like a mule and face into the storm. I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I thought I did. Later in life, I asked him, dad, I said, dad, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and he said, he said, we had the barnyard and, and there were, you know, some horses out there and there was a couple of cows out there and this old mule that we used to, to plow the fields and stuff and to haul stuff. And he said, when a storm came up, it was really interesting because the cows all ran for cover and they, they ran into the barn. The horses would kind of cluster together over in the corner. The mule would not move. All he would do is turn and face into the storm. And he said, we've got to learn to be like that in our lives. Don't run for cover. Don't huddle up with your friends. Just face the storm and, and live with it and, and work through it. And so I, I would always remember that. And from there, I moved into pharmaceuticals, an almost 19-year career in pharmaceuticals. Loved it. I worked really hard to learn everything. Was promoted a couple of times. Did some management stuff there. And company was bought. Redundancy of sales forces. Lost another job. Oh, man. And now I've got my family to take care of. And I, I think, what do I do? So I, I moved into a business with financial advising. And then 2008 came around. Gone again. Man. And by this time, I'm thinking, how am I going to save my house? What am I going to do? So I went to work selling Medicare. And from there, it's just been a steady climb upwards. And I look back and I think of all of those things that I went through has taught me one thing. Excel's career in life is just like a river. Sometimes you're going through rapids and you got to hang on. You got to face the storm and just do what it takes to make it through. Other times you're floating along, getting a suntan. It just all boils down to what your motivation in life is. I think a lot of people listening to this have been through very similar ups and downs because that's just what life is. Yeah. Life is just a series of ups and downs and you have to hope that you have more ups than downs. But when you are down, you, you need to climb your way out. Yep. You need to get your way back up. What in your mind drives people to get out of that hole that they're in and bring themselves back to a peak point and what, and maybe you specifically, what drove you to do it? And then in your opinion, as a leader, what drives others? I had a mentor in that first sales job that when we both lost our jobs, he sent me a letter and he said, basically, just remember that your product didn't sell itself. You sold the product. It was, it was Craig Terry that made that product successful. And he says, just believe in yourself when you go forward. And, I, and that really struck me. And that's what I think it is, is you have to believe that you can do better. You have to believe that you can be in a better spot than you're in right now. And it's that internal belief that I can do better than this. I just have to find a way to do it. 
And that's the key is I think is that core belief that Rusty Jensen, Ron Halbert, Craig Terry, whomever, I can be in a better place than I am right now. I just have to figure out how to get there. You know, I, I love that you say that and, and I want to add something. So my thought around this that I think about all the time is human potential. People don't realize what human potential is. We have the potential to do unbelievable things. Think about what humankind has accomplished over the millennia of years since its existence, right? We have landed on the moon. We have accomplished these amazing goals, built these architectural, that is human potential that is built inside each and every one of us, right? But the people that that actually show that potential are the people that believe that they can. Yep. That's the difference is the difference is I believe that I can exercise this human potential. You know, that, that reminds me of a, of a fantastic person and her name's Natasha Hess. And I remember we started working with her as a, as a salesperson, a sales developer. And I remember meeting with her and talking to her and she was recently just promoted into a leadership role over at nice systems. Uh-huh. I remember when I first met her and started talking to her, I could just tell that her sight line was more looking down. Like she wasn't looking up to the horizon of all the potential that she actually had. She was kind of just looking down and saying, you know, I'm a single mom. I need to do my job. I've got to take care of my kids. And she was looking down and just, and focusing on the now, the here and now and what she could be. And as Ron was working with her for years and as other were working with her and helping her and showing her her potential, she started to look up and she started to see more and more on the horizon of who she could be and started believing in what she could accomplish. And so she started kind of coming out of her shell and inspiring other people and helping other people. And, and she started seeing the effect of what she could offer and that people responded. They were just like, this is phenomenal. And then as she started doing that more and more, she just became this natural leader and this, this amazing individual who's now leading teams in sales. And part of that, what the potential is that you kind of talk about, Ron, Craig, like when we talk about this potential, sometimes people just have to look up and look far enough. Yeah. Why is it to set their sights on something yeah. that can accomplish? Why is it that people that are born in a certain socioeconomic status area, why are they more likely to stay in that status? It's because that's what they believe they're capable of. My wife teaches kids to read. She's done that for years. She did it probably about 10 years ago. And there was a student, young elementary school kid that was like, I don't need to learn to read. I'm just going to be a stalker at Costco making 20 bucks an hour because that is so much money. If that's where your sights are, that's what you'll accomplish, right? One of the things I've found too is to get people, Craig, and this was one of the things I want to ask, to get people to to become motivated. Sometimes they have to dig deep. They kind of have to have grit and they have to dig deep into a reservoir to kind of pull up who they really are. And sometimes it takes traumatic events for that to come out. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes something has to happen in life where it just comes out. It's like Malcolm Gladwell talks about how a lot of really, really successful people, the people that are presidents and premiers of nations, they had parents die when they were young. You know, these things that, that open up this reservoir where things happen and kind of trauma can sometimes drive motivation. And you've got kind of a unique experience in that area. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I've always been a really driven person to just improve and to succeed. And I've always kind of thought, if you can go 125%, you'll be okay. You know, yeah. If you miss a little, you're still over 100%. Yeah. If you make it, 
you're doing really well. So October 13th of 2020, it was Zach's birthday. Mm. I ruined his birthday for him. <laughs> uh, my wife and I were on a, our brand new Harley, mile and a half from our house, going to go back to the dealership to pick up my car. And we were in an accident. Someone wasn't paying attention and turned into the side of us. She had some, some injuries, ongoing recovery, but I lost my leg below the knee. And that was tough. I remember I, I kind of knew that my foot was pretty bad inside myself. And I remember them coming in and, and talking about it. And I, I begged the doctor to save my foot, said he'd try. And I looked at my foot after the surgery where they repaired my leg. And it was just, I could just, someone inside me told me I was going to lose it. <laughs> and our choice was to take it. But I remember waking up and looking down and not seeing my leg below my knee and my foot. And I thought to myself, when the hell did you do? Why did you do that? How are you ever going to live your life? How are you going to do the things that you love to do? How are you going to play golf? How are you going to ride your mountain bike? How are you going to get down on the ground and play with your grandkids? How are you going to walk again? What did you do? Wow. And I remember they tried to get me up out of bed. I tried to get up out of bed with a physical therapist. And I remember I probably was only able to raise my, myself off the bed an inch that first day. And I was really frustrated. And the physical therapist says, it's your first day. Don't worry about it. But I remember laying there and thinking, this isn't going to stop me. This isn't going to stop me. And inside myself decided that I was going to do whatever I wanted to do. Mike and walk. We talked about that this morning, mm -hmm. Rusty and Ron, I walked into the office yeah. on my prosthetic foot. I play golf again. You have to relearn everything. Yeah. Had to relearn how to play golf, had to relearn how to walk, had, still have trouble on stairs sometimes. But I found this reservoir inside myself of, I can do anything I want to do. I just have to, A, figure out the way that I'm going to do it, but B, find the drive to make myself succeed. I remember yeah, teaching me how to walk up and down stairs without falling. And the physical therapist took me up and down two times and he says, okay, that's enough. And I said, no, it's not. Yeah. How much time do we have? He says, we still have 10 minutes. I said, okay, just sit there and be quiet. And I kept <laughs> going up and down the stairs and I went up and down the stairs two or three more times. And he just looked at me and shook his head. I says, I'm not going to give up. This is not going to beat me. I love that. I love that because how many people in life look at you and say, it's enough you know, stop, slow down. I mean, it's amazing the resistance you get, but then you get a situation like this. Like, no, honestly, no, like you almost have a, a supporting cast in a lot of ways for mediocrity. Like you have yeah. people telling you, Hey, you're doing great at what you're doing. It's almost like culturally unacceptable for me to be like, Craig, your handicap better be back to where it was, or I'm going to be disappointed in you. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I'm referencing golf here, right? <laughs> golf handicap. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Whoa, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not a golfer like you. Golf, guys. golf handicap. Sorry, I know Craig's a big golfer. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. but I, but that's but that's like the type of leader and the type of people we want to surround ourselves with is people that drive us to the next level. They aren't telling us, and and there does need to be celebration, right? Celebrate your successes. You go up and down the stairs celebrate it. Yes. Oh, I remember the first time my boys and I went to top golf, they went for some party or something and they asked me to come along. And so I went and they were saying, dad, go, go, go swing, go swing. I'm like, eh, I know I've never swung. I haven't. He's like, no, go swing. 
And so I went and I, I've got a video of it. I think Zach or Parker took it. He showed me, Zach showed me that video. <laughs> I, I make this, I make this horrible swing, but the ball goes out there and they're all chapping and clapping and cheering. But it went on Facebook and the, my sons and other people were saying, what an inspiration to come back from that to where you're starting to do something that you love. But again, it's like we talked about earlier with you, Ron, it isn't that I'm trying to impress people. I just have to do what I have to do. Yeah. I mean, that's the motivation. You've got to figure out what you want and then go after it. Yeah. And if we can somehow as leaders help the people to understand that, that are under us or that are, or that we're responsible for, we'll see great things. Yeah. So like speaking to that a little bit, right? So we, we as leaders and everyone as a leader, even if you're an individual contributor, there are people paying attention to you at all times, right? Sure. But how do we become the kind of leader that pushes people to the next level, right? A motivational leader, we'll call it, right? What is your approach, Craig? Like how do you, and, and Craig leads teams of, of salespeople right now. So how do you push those reps or those other leaders beneath you to, while they can celebrate the wins, but then they push to the next level on top of that? I think as a leader, and I try to teach the people that my leaders that are under me, mm-hmm. I've got two levels of management underneath me to get to where the agents are. So mm-hmm. I try to work with them to understand you have to grasp the concepts of inner belief and you have to understand the pride that a person has in what they do. And there is pride. If, even if it's somebody that wants to be $20 Costco shelf stalker, it doesn't matter. That's pride to them. You have to understand what the power of praise does to a person and how to hold them accountable, how to give them ownership so that you can set up situations where they, they go, yeah, I get that. And then once that happens, then praise the heck out of them. But you have to understand that, that, that there are core things within people that drive them and motivate them. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that. I'm sure in a minute, I gave you guys an idea, but you just have to be able to understand how to, how to lead somebody from within themselves. You can't lead them from outside. You have to lead them from within. So even what you're saying is, is that as a leader, you talk about people being a motivational person, right? Or you're motivating other people. But what you're kind of saying is, and, and I agree with this, a leader, you can't motivate other people. You can't tell them, here's what you need to do and here's what's going on. And, and you can't cause motivation, but motivation has to come within. But you can, you can trigger perspective. You right. can help them see who they are and their potential, but then they have to kind of dip into that, that reservoir and see what they can do. When I first became a leader, um, one of my first jobs in management, a gentleman by the name of Rob Spafford told me, he said, remember Craig, you cannot teach motivation, intensity, or pride. Those are things that come from within someone and you can't teach them. But what you can do is you can set up situations just like you just said, where they experience those things. You can help an agent to know that, that today they're selling one plan and they want to do better. You can help them know where, where, where their weakness is that's caused that stumbling block that's not, that's not allowing them to move forward. And then you can move that out of the way for them. But then you can say, I believe that you can go do this. And then when they do it, you come back and you praise the heck out of them and show them just what they did, not what, what you did. They don't care what you did. You tell them what they did and you show them. And, and then they can feel the pride of success, the pride of of motivation. And it's, it's a very big positive motivator and it, it helps people move forward. hundred yeah. percent. Awesome. So as you, as you're kind of working with people, because you're a motivational leader, 
and you're working with people. Tell us a little bit about your approach to leadership. I was asked early on what my leadership philosophy was. And I went, let me think about that and get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) So the next day I had thought about it and it, it came down to three words that I believe in transparency, ownership, and accountability, TOA. I believe that as a leader, I've got to be very, very transparent in my expectations. Every job comes with expectations and we can't dummy those down because then they're not doing their job. Right. So I want to be very transparent in my expectations of what they have. And I want to do it in a way that they can accept ownership for the things that I'm, that I'm giving them to do for those things that they're, that are are part of their job. But then the real key is holding them accountable. That's the tough one. Mm. Holding somebody accountable is, is the key, but I've always believed that transparency, ownership, and accountability is big. I remember back to my dad when he was a supervisor out at Kennecott for years in management out there. And when I first became a manager, he, he said, I want to teach you something that's going to take you a long way. In fact, Parker's growing up into management. And I told him this the other day, imagine yourself on a pile of rocks and you've got a team down around the bottom trying to figure out how to get up on top of the pile of rocks. Nobody cares that you're up there and you can say, I know how to get up here. Come on up here and be where I am. This is where we've all got to be. Nobody cares. Hmm. He said, the only way that you're going to be successful as a leader is if you get down off the pile of rocks, put your arms around those people and say, we can be there together. I know the way to get up there. Let's go and I'll show you the way. It's awesome. And if you can do that and then hold them accountable for their journey up the pile of rocks, you'll be successful as a leader. The funny thing about that is that's why we call this podcast the sales prescription, because it's about giving prescriptions to people for success. A lot of leaders I've discovered, they stand on the pile of the rocks and they say, hey, how can I help you, Rusty? How can I help you get up here? Right. Yep. And they don't know what questions to ask. They don't no. know. They, they, they can't think like, oh, can you help me with, they don't know how you got there. So they can't ask those questions to get there. So I tell my leaders all the time, I'm like, you need to be able to prescribe to them how to get to the top, how to get to that level. And the only way to do that is through, you know, analytics and data and looking at, at performance and, and listening to calls, listening to things that, that give you an idea of where they are currently so that you can give them the specific arm around the shoulder and lead them to that next step. You know, and you always hear these cliches in sales. You know how I love to attack cliches, right? But one know the their why. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. it. It's a <laughs> Sorry, Simon. <laughs> but, but there's these cliches. One of them is that you'll always hear it. Somebody will say top performers, salespeople, don't always make good sales leaders. They always say that but never why. And it's exactly what you just said, Craig. It's exactly what you just said, Ron, which is people who get to the top of the pile and say, I'm at the top, emulate me. If you think about this, when somebody says, do what I do as a salesperson, be me. And they're at the top. What happens? It's just like climbing a pile of rocks. Like they don't know how to take the steps to get there. And then the leader who's at the top ignores that entire path. And they say, just be here, right? And, and they yeah. don't get down, like you said, and walk with them up and show them step by step. And that's why they don't become good sales leaders. doesn't mean they can't. It just means they, they forget that step. See, it's even deeper than you said, Ron. 
those, the analytics and all of those things are important because those are the things that show us where somebody's deficit lies. Mm -hmm. But you, Rusty, have a different motivation than I do. Mm -hmm. And Ron has probably a completely different motivation than either of us. And when I think back on my career, when I was in Oregon selling medical supplies, my motivation was that I wanted to learn how to sell to become the very best that I could. When I was selling pharmaceuticals and I had a family, it was that I wanted to give my family every opportunity and create as many memories as I could for them. Got to a point where I was trying to save my house and my life and I had to make some changes there. And then when they gave me, when an incredible man, Clint Jones and another one, Jake Goodmanson, came to me and said, we want you to come and open up the Medicare division in Utah. That was a chance for me to, to really, to build something to grow something from, from its gestation on. And that was huge motivation for me because I was towards the end of my career. So whatever motivation it is, we have to find it in that person. I have to find out what's driving them to want to get up to the top of pile of rocks. And it goes beyond knowing their why. I have to figure out what's that impetus, what's making them move to be successful. I think it's awesome. If I may tell the story about yeah. the stairs. Yeah, well, absolutely. And because that's the thing I wanted to ask is talk to us about scenarios like that or stories like that. So yeah, jump into that. Walking upstairs is tough for the first little while. And I was, I was on crutches, you know, no foot. Can't tell you how many times I fell, but my office was upstairs in the house and it was up a flight of stairs to the landing and then up again. And I couldn't do it. I just literally physically, and I realized mentally couldn't make myself go up those stairs. I'd try to get up partway and I'd come back down and try and get up. And one day I was just sitting there and I thought to myself, Greg, you've got to do this. You have got to make it up to the top of those stairs. You just have to. And so I thought today's the day. I got on my crutches. I hobbled over there and I looked up at those stairs. It was probably like, I felt like it was Mount Everest that I was going to have to climb. <laughs> right. And I just said, I'm going to do it. And I made it up partway. I had to stop and catch my breath. I wasn't even to the landing yet. And it was like, I had the devil on my shoulders and this and an angel on the yeah. other side, devil saying, you're done. Go back down. It's good. No. Nope. When I got to the, to the landing halfway up, you're through, you can, you're done. You've proved this. Just go back down. And I, in my mind, I just says, no, I'm not going to give up. I am not going to let my internal drive cease. I've got to do this. And I made it to the top of the stairs, man, I was pouring sweat and I hurt but I made it to the top of the stairs and I just thought it was at that moment that I thought the human being can do anything they want to do. If they just tap in to that inner strength, like you talked about, Ron. Yep. You know, one of the things I've observed over the years is you talk about the angel and the devil. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed is a lot of times when you're on the right track and you've set a goal that you really need to achieve, that's good for you there's that resistance. Mm -hmm. And, and what I tell people is when you feel that resistance, when you feel something saying no, when you feel something telling you, you should take a break. When you feel something that tells you you need to slow down, that's your sign that you need to accelerate. That's when the battle begins. That's when it starts. That's when the battle begins. Take a deep breath, turn and face into the wind, like the mule and just do it. Just push yourself to do it. So, so as you've led people over the years, Craig, I mean, because you've worked with, with lots of different people, help lots of different people. You're a very motivational person. You, you do amazing work. 
what are some of the stories or, or what can you share about some of the great turnarounds you've seen in people that you've worked with? You know, I thought about this and it was kind of like Ms. Hess. Yeah. This lady's name is Tasia Clark, single mom, mm-hmm. really no familial support. The ex was completely out of the picture. Credit cards were maxed. She was going to lose her house and everything. And we worked with her as an agent and she became really successful that first annual election period, the busy time of the year, mm-hmm. paid off all her credit card bills. And we worked with her to move into management and now she has her own home and she's successful. And it was all because we gave her the chance to tap into her belief in herself and look what happened. I remember the first year I've got this great manager, his name's Steven Schmeg. Steven is the best cheerleader type of manager I've ever seen. He would used to, when we were in the office, he would used to be like running up and down the aisles, cheering people <laughs> on. Yay. And I, I told him once, but I, I realized that that could only go so far that he was going to max that out. Yeah. And so I pulled him into my office one day and I said, I told him that idea. And I says, you've got to figure out what's really driving people. And I said, I need you to go talk to this agent. I'll call him Joe. I said, I need you to go talk to Joe and find out why he's here. And he, oh, he's, he's here. He's make, want to make, wants to make money and he's doing a great job. And I said, no, Steven, go talk to him and find out what, what he needs. Cause I already knew I'd already talked to him. And Steven went and talked to him. And a little bit later, he came back in my office and he had tears in his eyes. Sorry. It's just choking me up. Mm-hmm. He had tears in his eyes and he said, I had no idea. Joe's whole purpose for being there. His son was in stage four cancer in Kansas city. Wow. And Joe's wife was there taking care of the son and and the son's family. And all Joe wanted was to make enough money to keep his wife there and to help his son. And I said, so Stephen, are you going to lead Joe differently now? Cheerleading doesn't really matter to Joe, does it? And Stephen said, no. Stephen is one of our top managers. He's a senior program manager. Year after year, he's one of the top managers in the company. He's gone on trips. But Stephen found out it takes more than just cheerleading and patting people on the back. You've got to figure out what's inside them. It's awesome. When you can bring that out, it's amazing what people can accomplish. We're in those extreme places and they fight their way out of that battle because we have human potential. We have the potential to build a rocket ship and land on the moon. Yeah. Right. And I tell, I tell people, I'm like, what have you chosen to do with that human potential? Sell. Yeah. Think about what you can accomplish in sales with that potential, but you have to believe you have that potential. And I think some people look at the top performer and they're like, you know, he's lucky. I'm just not as good as Rusty or he's lucky. He's very lucky or he's, is he might be cheating the system somehow or, you know, there's always those concerns, those things, thoughts that enter into your mind oh, he must be cheating or she must be cheating or um, whatever else. So to wrap this up, we, we want to talk about kind of one final little thing with Craig here, and that is advice. We would love to hear from you, Craig. What is your advice to people that maybe are earlier in their careers, middle of their careers, they've got some time down the road. How can they tap into that reservoir of motivation and pull themselves up and really seek for as much success as they can get. So are, just to clarify, are you talking salespeople? Yeah, yeah. Or let's, managers? Let's say young Let's say young salespeople. They're kind of just getting into the career. They have potential. They want to become leaders. They're motivated. They're excited. What, what advice would you give them? 
learn to work hard. Don't give up, figure out what you want. For me, as like I said, for me, it, it was, I just wanted to learn how to sell and I wanted to learn to be very proficient at, at what I was doing. So figure out what you want as a young person, what's going to drive you. And I mean, if I want a new car. That's, that's great. But there's something else that makes you want that new car. What is that? And then work hard to get that. Work smart, learn, study, do what it takes for you to get to that point. Because once you get to that point, some motivation is going to change, just like we talked about earlier. Always figure out what your motivation is and then just don't give up. Don't let things that come in your way be in the way. I firmly believe that we can do whatever we want to do. If you can find a way over the object, you can find your way under it or around it. You just have to do it. Just find out your grit. I love that word, Rusty, and I believe in it. Find out that grit, that inner thing that you have that's going to separate you from everybody else. And that's a powerful message. And, you know, our CEO... Noel Goggin at at Conga is an amazing individual. And that's one of the things he says is if you can just set and decide what you want and what you want to be and what you want to accomplish, just decide what you're going to do. You'll figure out the path. And if it's a big thing like becoming an executive or building a big company, or if it's a small thing that seems big, like climbing the stairs, those things, we need to set our sights on what we're going to accomplish and we need to decide to do it. I think it's phenomenal. And it doesn't really matter what it is. If I want to be the best dad, I, I mean, it's my goal. I just want to be the best dad. I want to give my family everything that they need so that I'm a good dad, yeah. give them the opportunities to learn and to grow and to experience things. That's great motivation. You just have to figure out what you need to do to do that. And I tell people all the time, be, be very self-introspective. Say, man, Craig, you, you do really well at this, but you're pathetic at this (laughs) and be honest about it and work on making the pathetic things better because of that drive for whatever it is. Like you said, Rusty, if you want to be the best dad, that's great. And be careful setting those goals because in my opinion, with my experience early in my career, I set goals like make a hundred grand a year. I remember when I set that goal, when I first started, I set a goal to pay off my home. I set these goals And honestly, when you get to the goal, I remember the day I paid off my home and I remember thinking, I don't feel different. Like I expected to feel different about my life because I accomplished this goal and I don't feel different. And I love goals like, like what Craig just said, be a great dad, be a great mother. That's a goal that requires constant improvement. And I think you can set goals along the way to get to that ultimate goal. But what you're looking for is you're looking for these deeper goals, right? It's not just about getting the new car. Cause once you get it, it feels good for a bit. And then it's a random Thursday and you got to get to work and you go climb in your car and go to work. And, and, it, and it's like, Oh, this is the same as what I did before I had this car. Right. I really love the idea of setting those deeper goals that take a lifetime to achieve And along the way, you can set the mini goals to get there because what you'll discover is once you get to the $100,000 mark, the $200,000 mark, the $300,000 mark, and as you set those goals at those different tiers, when you get there, you think, well, my life's pretty much the same. (laughs) One last quick story. An incredible lady that I know by the name of Shandell. She'll probably hear this. I'm telling her, I think she's incredible. I worked with her at a different company and she felt like she didn't get a chance there. And I understand that. 
our paths crossed again when I was just opening up Go Health. And she had left that company and gone to work, I think for, well, I know it was for a different company. I won't say who it was, but she wanted the chance. And I said, you got it. You got it. She became a manager. She, I hired her on as an agent. She did some training and I thought she's really good at that. So I moved her to a manager. And right now she's the director of a division at Go Health. And it's because she knew what she wanted and she never gave up on that. She would come into my office and she would ask me questions and want to know this and want to know that. And I, I, I'd give her my ideas, but she would take them out and she would, she was driven to succeed and she is successful because of that grit, because of that internal drive, because she knew what she wanted and she was not going to give up on it. She knew she wanted to be to the top of the stairs and the, the devil was not going to let win. She just went and did it. And I think whether you're a leader or a salesperson or just a human being in life, figure that out, yeah. figure that out. I think and the path to get there is almost as good as getting to yep, the goal. It is. You got to enjoy it. Yep. You guys are incredible people. I really appreciate it. Craig, you are very inspiring and we appreciate the time you've taken because I think a lot of people who hear this can reach deeper within themselves to find the motivation they need to accomplish so. what these other people have. And I think it's amazing. And so we appreciate everybody listening to the sales prescription. We are very thankful for you and let us know if there's anything we can do to help you. And we appreciate the listenership and we want to help you to achieve what you want in life. So go out there and get it. Give us a call, guys. Give Craig a call too. We're always open. Right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.